Money FM 89.3, the best of Saturday mornings. Singapore Homebrew on Money FM 89.3. International Migrants Day was held uh, back in December, December the 18th. Singapore, of course, we know is home to hundreds of thousands of migrant workers from around Southeast Asia, South Asia. And the topic we're going to discuss today is how the country can help to alleviate the region's growing healthcare disparities by tackling certain diseases, in, including cervical cancer, among our migrant domestic workers. Making sure that our domestic workers are healthy. Of course, we all, any of us who have had or who do have domestic workers, have to apply for insurance policies for them so that they do get medical coverage if they need it. But this is an ongoing challenge, uh, you know, for everybody, but of course for our domestic workers. Couldn't agree more. I've been involved with various initiatives over the years, whether it's with uh, TWC2, which does a lot of work for domestic helpers, or Marua. And yes, the healthcare of domestic helpers is an issue of paramount importance and a very timely one to discuss today. Let's bring in our two guests uh, to talk about this today. First is Aravindan Srinivasan. He's the director of thematic collaborations at AVPN. Now, AVPN is the largest platform in Asia that connects investments in the region to important social causes. And also a Professor Tiki Pangetsu, who is a visiting professor at the Yonglu Lin School of Medicine right here at the National University of Singapore. Gentlemen, good morning. Welcome to Money FM. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having us. Oh, it's a pleasure to have both of you on for really what is a, a very important but not often discussed topic. And um, Aravindan Srinivasan from AVPN. First, let's start with you. Tell us a little bit more about what you're doing at AVPN. As I mentioned, it's a platform for connecting investment to social causes. Give us a little bit more depth on that. That's right. Thanks, Len. So AVPN, you know, uh, we started about a decade ago, and, and we started as this network of social investors across the it is, you know, in fact, the original name was Asia Venture Philanthropy Network, which is about bringing the, the venture capital principles and thinking into philanthropy and social investing. And now we've gone beyond that and looked at all forms of impact seeking capital, whether it's philanthropy or investing with returns and impact or it's blended finance and all sorts of things. So, you know, we have about 600 members who are focused on impact in Asia and they come not just from Asia, but also from the globe and they are pooling in their money here. And they kind of work across the, you know, the SDG spectrum, across all kinds of issues. So what we try to do is to essentially figure out where is it that the best place they can deploy their capital to achieve that kind of impact. And so our role is more of an ecosystem builder in this, in this process. And, and health and, uh, you know, climate and gender or some of those specific thematic areas where we, we try to double down and, and do something meaningful. And let's stay with you for a second, Aravindan. You recently produced a policy paper on this topic, which is cervical cancer and the risks of cervical cancer and how there are gaps in the treatment or the analysis when it comes to female domestic workers in Singapore, of which there are more than 240,000. So tell us about that, what you discovered in that policy paper. Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, This this, this paper is is very important because, you know, this is an issue that is, quite, you know, uh, doesn't get kind of attention it needs to get. It is probably, you know, amongst there in the top, you know, types of cancer that causes death. And it's actually preventable. So that's the, that's the irony of it. And, and you know, as humankind, we always have solutions, but it's a, 
a completely different story of how do we get the solutions to the people who need them, right? And and the reason why we focus on the, the specific segment of population because of the vulnerability associated with it, uh, right? There is already this, you know, question of, you know, displacement. When they are there in one country and they have a specific system and they're used to that, and then they are moving to another country and then there is a different system and they need to get used to that. And what happens is this, because of the stigma already associated with this with this topic and the the hesitancy to go out and seek care is get it, this gets complicated by the fact that they don't know how to navigate the system here in Singapore. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what we wanted to do is how do we make it less difficult and how do we make it more easy for people to seek and receive care? So that's what this is about. And, and like you said, it's a huge, huge population. They are almost like the invisible backbone of the economy. So, you know, that good health and well-being is, is of paramount importance to all of us, right? So yeah. that, that's what we want to address. Yeah. Thanks, Aravinda. Let's bring in Professor Tiki Pangatsu, the visiting professor at Yonglu Lin School of Medicine at National University of Singapore. And uh, Professor Pangatsu, talk to us a little bit about the work that you're doing. What are you seeing when it comes to looking at this population of foreign domestic workers and their health needs? Yeah, I mean, just as Aravinda has just mentioned, you know, this is a big number, 240,000. And, you know, it's in terms of the country of origin, Indonesia and Myanmar in the region, they actually are the top two countries in terms of mortality from cervical cancer mm. as well as in terms of the incidence. So the top five countries in the region, three of them are in the region, Indonesia, Myanmar and, and, and Brunei. So in, in that regard, because a lot of the FDWs come from Indonesia in Myanmar, it becomes even more important that mm. they do have good access to health care. Is Be it because of a, sorry, Professor, is it because of a lack of screening or a lack of, uh, or, or are there more uh, environmental risks for them? What, what seems to be the, the heightened numbers uh, for those three particular countries? Yeah, I think it, it really uh, relates to the limited capacity in their home countries for screening as well as the stigmatization uh, issue, uh, as well as lack of access to, you know, even basic uh, vaccination uh, procedures. So I think it's a combination of uh, different factors that leads to this high incidence as well as high mortality in, in, the, in Indonesia and Myanmar. Professor Pangetsu, staying with you, you've highlighted the concerns uh, really nicely, summarized, summarized it beautifully. Those are the gaps... You're on the front line. How do we fill those gaps? What are the things that are missing that you see in Singapore? I think really it is once again, you know, the standard approach of raising education and awareness amongst the the domestic uh, workers, uh, avoiding the the stigma that's associated with, you know, cervical cancer. uh, And importantly, also perhaps to highlight the importance of preventative uh, strategies in this case, uh, vaccination, in addition to encouraging them to actually go for screening so Mm. that it can be detected early uh, rather than late. Uh, Professor Pangetsu, so currently uh, female foreign domestic workers have to go every six months for a health check. Ostensibly, it's a pregnancy test or an STD test from my understanding. Does it, is it, is that kind of screening done during that six-month checkup currently? I don't think that screening 
for cervical cancer is part of that regular six monthly screening and and that could be a gap you know i'm i'm uh, i'm not 100 percent sure on that yeah but i i suspect that it needs to be part of that regular six month screening of course it, it does it entail sort of additional expenses on sure. the healthcare system sure yeah Aravindana, you're at AVPN, bringing it back to you. You commissioned this report talking about this very issue. Many of our listeners, I assume, might employ uh, foreign domestic workers. What would you say to them? What should they do? No, thank you. I think, I think this is a very, very important point. There is existing imbalance in the kind of uh, the power equation, right? So as an employer, I think the, one of the most important things one could do is to be supportive uh, and, and to, you know, Prof Tiki's point, actually educate them about this issue in a way that is not, uh, you know, it, it's not putting off and encourage them to go for the screening. So it's, it is actually quite voluntary right now. So encouraging them to do this, but also because this whole dependency on insurance um, also makes it very clear that, you know, the, the kind of treatment costs that are associated with it, all of that, you know, it becomes a question for them that, you know, what if, what if I get detected and then I have to incur all this cost? Will my employer bear it or will they send me home? And then my livelihood depends on this. So what do I do? Right. So that, that's what's going on in the minds of the, of the people, right? And so even going and getting the test done is, you know, we all do that. Like, you know, my parents also refuse to go for their diabetes test. You know, whenever I push them. So it's very difficult to get people to get into this preventive mode and, and actually go out and seek care. But then if the employers are also able to support and encourage and be there to be able to support them in the process, you know, then we have a much better chance of actually elimination. And in countries like Australia have done that. They were actually close to elimination. And they've in fact done these vaccination programs and extended them to boys as well. So at this point, uh, Aravindan, from what you're seeing working with the collaborative environment that you're in trying to get investors and coming together with some of these social causes, is it more or less up, would it be more or less up to the employer themselves to to drive this kind of testing uh, for cervical cancer and other major diseases because it's just not built into the system yet? Is that is that what you're, is that what I'm hearing you say? So I think the system definitely requires tweaking and improvement. There is uh, a need for a transboundary approach when it comes to this, right? And as we urbanize more and more, all of us are dependent on each other, but our protocols, and we saw that during COVID as well, right? We need transboundary protocols where we are able to create systems that are able to talk to each other that, you know, from a person point of view, it's seamless. They can seek care wherever they are, and they're able to follow through on that. So there is a space for policy coherence, and alignment, but there is also the question of resource constraint, right? Cervical cancer, you know, incidence as well as mortality is highest in the low and middle income countries. So when we're talking about our neighbors, it is important to keep that into account as well and, and see what is it that we can do to mobilize finance. And this is where ABPN comes in. So we are not just saying that we'll have to do this all by our government, but also let's look at the private sector. There's a lot of money in philanthropy, a lot of people who look at, you know, these kind of issues. But, you know, there is a need for us to talk about this topic in a way that it, it gains that top of mind attention to be able to focus on this. And so I think that's the second part, I would say, you know, the kind of uh, audience with the private capital, can they play a more significant role and then fill the gaps where the system is not able to reach people? Professor Pangetsu, that's a very interesting point, actually, that Aravindan makes about the need for various vested groups, private sector to come together to try to help deal with this issue of cervical cancer. From your perspective, on the medical front, what more can Singapore do 
whether it's screening or awareness or education, what can Singapore do more broadly to potentially save millions of lives in the coming decades? What would you like to see happen next? I think uh, what Aravin just said is absolutely critical. It has to be multi-sectoral collaboration. Uh, you mentioned the role of the employer. Obviously, they're important in terms of raising awareness, encouraging the, the workers. Government has a very important role to play. The private sector, absolutely critical. And I think, you know, working together is really the way forward. It's not just up to one party. And remember, you know, given the number of uh, the female domestic workers, there's a huge potential economic impact in terms of, of the well-being of families in addition to the workers uh, themselves. If they end up having you know, cancer and having uh, basically unable to work, the huge economic cost of that, I think, is a primary driver of uh, you know, these three or four uh, getting together to, to, to provide better access in the future. So you know, it's about government, it's about employer, it's about the private sector, it's about civil society. I think you already mentioned that uh, people have been working a lot and there are uh, NGOs that look particularly uh, after the welfare of female domestic workers. So it's got to be on all fronts. Professor Tingi Pangetsu, the visiting professor at Yong Lu Lin School of Medicine at NUS, and Aravindan Srinivasan, director of thematic collaborations at AVP. And thanks for being with us today. We know this is a, is a, a topic that is really a life and death discussion. And we do certainly hope that uh, individuals and, and employers and the government itself will continue to put focus on this. In the meantime, we want to thank both of you for being with us today and, and hope you'll come on again and, and talk to us in the future uh, about this, uh, this topic and others. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.